We'll take our text this morning from our scripture reading. We'll look at two verses, Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua here was putting out a challenge to the children of Israel, a call to a decision. He'd given them a history lesson. If you read that chapter about all that God had done for them, the fact that God had brought them out of Egyptian bondage, gave them wonderful victories, brought them through the Red Sea, had chased the enemies away, and now was bringing them into the promised land. And he was presenting with a choice. Basically, the choice was you can serve the God who delivered you from bondage and slavery, or you can serve the God who led you into bondage and slavery, but really the choice was up to them. But I like what Joshua said. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Of course, everyone here is aware that this coming Tuesday, we are coming upon an election. Millions of people will be making a choice, a decision. Some already have done that. But after Tuesday, the results will come in. There will be some people that will be very happy, and there will be some people that will be very unhappy, as it goes with all elections. It's been said that this is really a pivotal election in the history in the nation of our nation. Um, it is a election that has much... Hinging upon it, it's almost, many think, a pivotal, a, pivotal, a pivotal point for our nation. It could go one way or the other. You have one group that wants to fundamentally change and transform the nation. They want to restructure its foundations and take it in another direction. You have another group that wants to preserve and save it, keep it like it is, and even try to bring it back to what it once was, but there's a dividing line we know in this nation. You have people on both sides, and they feel equally as passionate about their position. You know, it's been said by, again, pundits on both sides. It's been described as the battle for the heart and soul of our nation. I don't think that's overstated. Many people feel that way. But you know, there's a far greater battle going on, and even that battle that's taking place in this country. It's the battle for the heart and souls of all humanity. We know this has been a war that has been raging since the beginning of time, two opposing forces in this battle. Do you know when it comes to the gospel and it comes to our spiritual lives and our future, when it comes to where we will spend Eternity, we have a choice to make. Just like the children of Israel had a choice to make that day, we do 
have a choice to make. You know, in every election, the question is asked, what are the issues? What's at stake? What is on the ballot? What are we deciding on? Well, the Word of God tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 30, Moses also puts out a challenge, much like the one that Joshua put out, but he he lets us know the choices and what's at stake. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15 says, See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil. Verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. So there's the choices. Life and death, blessing or cursing. You know, some choices don't have great consequences. Some do. And this is one choice that has eternal consequences. But it's laid out there for us. It's our right, I guess, to choose what we're going to choose. You know, in the political arena, we know there's different opponents. They have different platforms, different agendas, different ideas, different directions. Our responsibility is to try to educate ourselves about the different candidates and figure out what they stand for, understand what their platform is, and then we vote according to how we feel uh, the one who best represents our needs. Well, in the spiritual arena, we know we have two different opponents, two different candidates with very different views and agendas, You know, it seems like a popular thing now, especially with this election cycle, to put certain labels or names on the different candidates. Well, the Word of God gives us several different names for both of these candidates. Consider the names that the Word of God gives to Satan. There's many names he's known by. He's known as the adversary, the tempter. Describes him as a roaming lion, enemy, evil spirit, the accuser of the brethren. You know, Satan is the master of smear campaigns. Who do you think it is that comes and whispers in your ear and makes an accusation against your brother or your sister or even against you? The Bible says he's so brazen, it says that he even accuses the brethren or the brothers and sisters before God night and day. He's an accuser of the brethren. Wicked one. Liar. Father of all lies. You know, it's been said the easiest way to tell if a politician is lying is to see if his lips are moving. It makes kind of an insinuation there that they're incapable of telling the truth. I don't think that's true of all politicians. But you know, when it comes to the devil, that's absolutely true. Every time Satan opens his mouth, he's lying. He's the father of lies. Jesus said he's lied from the very beginning, and he hasn't changed. That's who he is. He's a deceiver. That's how he deceives, by lying. He can take some truth and twist it and mix it uh, with a lie. And and he deceived. he's been deceiving since the beginning of time. That's just who he is. You know, Satan is a predator. The Bible doesn't describe him as that. It does say he's a roaring lion. 
But you know, Satan, one of his tactics is to attack when the person is feeling the weakest or the most vulnerable. That's often when the devil will come and he'll ramp up his attacks. And when you're discouraged or you're disheartened about something, that's when the devil will come along and he'll try to tempt you and deceive you. Think about what he did to Jesus. Jesus, when he was there in the wilderness, after he'd fasted 40 days and 40 nights, when he was physically weak and in that condition, that's when the devil came along and tried to tempt Christ. He tried it on Jesus, you know what? He's going to try it on you, but he is a predator. Those are just some of the names of the devil. Think of some of the names that the Word of God gives to the Lord. Wonderful. Counselor. Good Shepherd. Holy One. Prince of Peace. Says he's a man of sorrows and acquainted with our grief. You know, Jesus doesn't just pretend to know how you feel. He knows how you feel. Jesus, when he came in his humanity, you know what? He subjected himself to all the same rigors and trials of life that we face every day. Jesus knew what it was like to get up early and to work late. He knew what it was like to try to earn a living. Jesus paid taxes. Jesus suffered exhaustion. He knew what it felt like to be rejected. He knew what it felt like to endure physical pain, but he did all of these things so that he could be our high priest, touched with the feelings of our infirmities. When Jesus says he cares, he really does care. He knows how you feel. Christ is moved with empathy and compassion. Emmanuel, God with us, true vine. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Not a way or a truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And again, as you consider that Jesus uh, is described as the truth, you know there's one thing that's impossible for God to do. The Bible tells us God cannot lie. He cannot lie. It's not in his nature. He's incapable of lying because he's the God of all truth. He's our Savior our shield, our defender, the rock of our salvation, redeemer, fortress, our refuge. You know, their platforms and agendas and plans for mankind are as different as their names are. We know we can educate ourselves about the different candidates, and that's our responsibility. But you know what? God's Word gives us a very clear picture of what The plans for each of these are. John 10.10 says, The thief, speaking of Satan, cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. There you have the stark contrast between the two. You know, Satan has nothing good in store for anyone. Satan has never, ever benefited anybody. He makes a lot of big campaign promises, but you know what? He's a liar. It says he cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. That means he only comes for one purpose, to steal, to kill, destroy. He's been that way from the very beginning. He's not going to change his tactics. That's who he is. That's his agenda. That is what he stands for. But the good news is he knows he's been defeated. You know, it's only a matter of time and the enemy will be destroyed. But until then, we have choices to make. 
We have to endure. You know, it's been said that a candidate can run on the record. Well, you know what? Satan has a record that he can run on, and it's a record of broken promises from the very beginning of time. You look what he did there to Eve. He lied to Eve, and he, you know, again, he twisted the truth a little bit, mixed it with a lie. He said, hath God said that you'll die? He says, you won't die. Surely you won't die, but uh, your eyes will be opened. What happened? He lied to her. The moment, I can imagine the moment she bit into that fruit, she realized she had bought a lie. You know, she died, not physically at that moment, but spiritually something in her died. And that's what Satan does. He lies and he deceives. But we don't want to be deceived. You think about what the Lord's agenda is. Says he came to give us life and to give it more abundantly. Not just speaking about physical life, but spiritual life. Luke 19.10 says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Isaiah 61 talks about the fact that Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted, to bring liberty to the captives, to open the door to those that were in prison and those that were bound to comfort those that mourn. Most important of all, Christ came to reconcile us back to God. This is that in Colossians, it tells us that he reconciles us to God through his blood on the cross. That word reconcile means to be put back in a right relationship. And sin entered in, that relationship was severed, but Christ came to restore that relationship. He was that bridge between man and God that had been severed there because of sin. That's Christ's agenda for us. You know, some may say, does my vote count? Maybe you feel like, you know, what difference does it make? Well, I will tell you, one one vote can make a big difference. It's made a difference many times in history. In 1845, One vote brought Texas into the Union. There was a joint resolution that had come to the Senate floor and they had voted on annexing Texas into the Union. And at first that choice ended in a tie, 26 to 26. But one senator changed his vote to a yes. And so a vote of 27 to 25 allowed that resolution to be passed. So one vote brought Texas into the Union. In 1868, one vote saved President Andrew Johnson from impeachment. In 1876, one vote gave Ruther B. Hayes the presidency of the United States. Just one electoral vote. That's how close it was. You know, one vote can have an effect on history. One vote can have an effect on the culture around us. I found an article a few years ago about influence. I'll just share it with you. It's very short. It says, In the early 1700s, the French culture was in the process of moral decay. As a result, France was ripped apart by the French Revolution. Just 20 miles across the channel, the English culture had the same rot. Historians have described at length the moral corruption of the English culture And yet, England did not go through a revolution. Why? Why was it spared? 
Was it their navy, their diplomats, or their politicians, their police force? No, the country was spared, as historian and President Woodrow Wilson put it, because in 1703, a man named John Wesley was born in England. Later, Wesley was born again, lived out the Beatitudes, and proclaimed the gospel, and the nation was preserved. You know, one choice does make a difference. Your choice can make a difference, not only for you, but for your families. That's why it said, uh, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Your choice to serve the Lord will impact others around you. I thought about those in the Bible, uh, men and women who stood up individually at times to serve the Lord when it wasn't popular. In the middle of a cancel culture, often they did that, and God blessed them. Think about Noah. Noah withstood the wickedness of his day. And we know because of that, Noah and his family says out of the entire world at that time, there were millions of people at that time, only one man and his family chose to serve the Lord. But what was the result? He and his family were saved. And you know what? God used Noah and his family to preserve the human race. That was a result of one man making a choice, casting his vote with the Lord. Think about Moses. Moses had said he would rather have suffered with the children of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And when God called Moses to lead the children of Israel there out of Egyptian bondage, he, he answered the call. God used one man to lead in a nation, an entire nation, out of bondage. Think about David when he faced down Goliath. I thought of the prophet Samuel. Just a young boy when God called after his heart. We know in the middle of the night that the Lord called him three times. And as he was instructed that third time, he said, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. You know, God called Samuel at a very, very desperate time for the children of Israel. They really were headed for spiritual apostasy. Eli, the spiritual leader and his family and the spiritual leadership of the nation had failed and they were headed really for disaster. It says that the lamp of God was about to go out in the nation of Israel. It said that the the word of the Lord was precious because there was no open vision. So God called this young man, Samuel, just a boy. And God used Samuel. God used Samuel to lead the nation through that spiritually dark time. It speaks of Samuel. It said that there wasn't a prophet before him or since since that time. It says that none of his words ever fell to the ground. Just one young boy voting to, uh, deciding to follow the Lord, to cast his confidence with the Lord, and God blessed him and helped him, used him in a powerful way. So we want to make sure and realize, you know, every vote counts for eternity. You know, in every election cycle, you have a certain group of voters called the undecided voters. That's that group that will waver in between a decision. They're not really sure which candidate they want to choose. Sometimes people in that position choose not to vote at all. But you know, indecision that leads to no decision still results in a decision. 
by default, if you choose not to cast your ballot or your vote, automatically you vote for the opposition. It's been said, bad people are sent to Washington by good people that refuse to vote. There might be some truth to that. But you know what's worse, though, is indecision can lead to something called procrastination. That is the most deadly thing to a person spiritually, that spirit, that attitude of procrastination, that uh, indecisiveness, you know? It's that thing that will cause a person to wait too late, to put off tomorrow what should be done today. You know, the Word of God gives us a couple of examples of some undecided voters we read about in the book of Acts. Chapter 24, chapter 24, verse 24 through 25. It says, And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time when I have a convenient season. I will call for thee. You know, Felix had the opportunity to hear Apostle Paul share his testimony. He spoke about the resurrection, and it said as he thought about these things and as he considered these things, it said he trembled. That's Holy Ghost conviction. The Lord was knocking on his heart saying, now is your time. This is your chance to vote, to decide. It's decision time. What did he do? He put it off. He said, Paul, uh, go your way, and when it's more convenient, I'll call for you again. But, you know, as you read through the Word of God, you don't read of another time, another opportunity that Felix ever had to make that choice to serve the Lord. Scripture would indicate just the, the opposite. Later, he met with uh, Paul, on several occasions, no doubt Paul, every time, preached the gospel, but we don't see a decision ever being made. He actually tried to bribe Paul to have him give him money, and he would get him out of prison. So we can see, really, uh, from what we could tell, he never had another opportunity to make his choice. Just a few chapters over, chapter 26, again, we see Paul rehearsing his testimony before King Agrippa. He went from the governor to the king. And you know what? He told him the same thing. It says, as he spoke to him about the resurrection and he told him about what God had done and in his life. And then he, he put out an appeal to Agrippa there in chapter 26, verse 27. It says, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. God was knocking on his heart's door. King Agrippa heard the truth. He said, Then Agrippa said unto him, Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. You know what? Almost isn't good enough. When you're talking about your spiritual, eternal destiny, you don't want to be almost persuaded. We must be fully persuaded. We don't want to be in that undecided column. Paul said, I would not, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am. These weren't the only two men to hear the gospel. He spoke to all of those there. They all had a decision to make. 
You know, I can guarantee you if Agrippa or Felix could go back and change their vote, they would do it today. But they waited too late. There's no hope in eternity of ever changing your decision. That must be done today. That's why Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. You know, there's a popular trend right now on Google. It's a question, can I change my vote? It's interesting. This is obviously by those who maybe voted early and they've had some regrets, maybe buyer's remorse, I don't know, but they're reconsidering, wondering, uh, is it too late to change my vote? Well, there is a way to do it. Uh, it's kind of a complicated process. It depends on what state you're in and, and how you voted and those kinds of things. There are some requirements. But you know, there are those that may be sitting here this morning or listening and, and they're tired of that old life of sin. Maybe they're looking at their life and they're looking at that broken road that they've been on for years and they may be wondering, is there any way to get out of this? I've been serving the wrong master. Can I change my vote? The good news is yes. Yes, you can. And you know what? The requirement to do that is the same for everybody. doesn't matter what state you're in or where you live. It's done through something called repentance. Repentance, realizing you've made a mistake or realizing that you've made poor choices. You don't have to live with those choices anymore. Today you can repent. Turn to the Lord. God will put you on the right road. The Lord can save you and change the direction of your life. Tells us in Ezekiel, but if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed and keep all my statutes and do that which is lawful and right, he shall live, he shall not die. In all his transgressions that he hath committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him. And his righteousness that he hath done, in his righteousness that he hath done, he shall live. What a promise. Repentance will put you on the right road. God can save you today. Nobody knows what the results are going to be on Tuesday. There's a lot of prognosticators and poll numbers that say one thing or another. Nobody knows for sure. Only God knows. But you know, there's one election you can be sure of. The Word of God tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, it says, tells us to make your calling and election sure. Speaking about your salvation. You know, I think of the old timers that used to say they had a no-so salvation. That's what the Lord will do. God will erase any doubt in your mind. God can let you know for sure where you stand with the Lord. You know, I was thinking about Brother Gordon Sletmo's testimony. We had his memorial service yesterday. And one thing that impressed me was uh, repeated over and over by his family. They told about how as a young man, when he, in his teens, when he committed his life to Christ, as the Lord called after him, and he answered that call from that moment on till the very second that he stepped into eternity, never once did he waver in his faith, in his devotion to the Lord. He knew who he was serving, and he knew where he was going. He had that no-soul salvation. He made his calling and an election sure. And you know, that hope of heaven has become a reality for him. If we want that same hope in our heart, we have to have that same thing. We have to have that reassurance down in our heart that we're ready. You can have it today. If God is calling after you, you know, one other thing he did, he 
chosen time. You have to make make that decision in time. And it does no good to go to the polls the day after the elections are closed to try to cast a ballot. No, you have to decide on time. We have to decide on time. When is that time? That time is now. The Bible says, choose you this day who you will serve. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. It says, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Today is the day. Don't gamble or bet on tomorrow. It may never be here. But today you can decide. You can choose. God is merciful. God is good. He's everything he claims to be and so much more. And if you'll give the Lord a chance in your life today, God will never disappoint you. If you need to be saved, God will save you. Do it while there's time. If you need to be sanctified, you know what? Do it while the Spirit of the Lord is here. If you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, there's going to be a day when that Spirit is going to be taken out of this whole world. But today you have an opportunity. Today, choose whom you will serve. Choose the Lord. God will bless you. We're going to sing 482. Let's pray.